0: Today on Ag News Daily.
1: Rantizo started in 2018. Uh, The founding CEO is Michael Ott, a longtime uh, agriculture expert and chemist who actually, um, you know, had the idea of building custom hardware and upgrade kits.
0: Well, listeners, welcome back. Just so you know, exactly one year from today, it will be 12 plus 12 equals 24. Bet you never would have thought of that, Delaney. That
2: just... Seems right in line with your dad type jokes, Tanner.
0: (laughs) It is the 12th of December, 2023. We're going to hit you with some headlines and a good conversation today. So let's jump in and hop on for the ride. We had the tinderbox warning yesterday in the Southern Plains, and now we've got rain in the forecast. So thankfully for some of those producers... The southern plains, where a lot of the hard red winter wheat is growing, does have precipitation expected to last for several days. The National Weather Service said this morning that some of the rain may change over to snow late Wednesday and Thursday. Impactful snow will be possible mainly in the western panhandles and the areas of Caprock, but nonetheless, the moisture will be welcomed. Rain will return to the area Friday. Some localized flooding, potentially Delaney, because they're talking anywhere across that region for a half inch, up to five and a half inches as possible.
2: That could be a lot of rain.
0: Yeah, and a time of year to where it's not typically expected. It'd be interesting to see what kind of storm path this takes.
2: Absolutely. Is that the only weather news you have for today, Tanner?
0: Uh, I didn't dive that Deep into it beyond uh, our friends down there in the southern region. Uh, outside of the fact that it looked like the Midwest is going to be mostly typical weather for this time of year, not a lot of precipitation. And then, like reported yesterday, uh, when we get up into that Michigan, Minnesota area, there was a chance of snow.
2: All right. Well, if you're done with weather, I guess we can move right along then, huh? Let's go. All right. Well, In another headline here, we have BASF has issued some official statements about the way that they're going to restructure their business entities. The German chemical giant announced that they'll be separating several of their businesses to unlock earning potentials and guide each segment of their business differently. Agricultural Solutions was specifically named in part of the reorganization structure, and they said that the announcement, really, their goal here is to take a more differentiated approach to be able to operate their several businesses in a more individualized manner as opposed to leading them all down the same path. They said each of their business entities has very different KPIs and it's hard to do benchmarking for agriculture compared to some of the other entities that BASF works within. So they said it's not a step to downsize, eliminate jobs, monetize, or push sales. It's really just to get a better handle and a better direction for each of their individualized businesses. Tanner, there were some rumors floating around the industry that perhaps we would see because of this intended restructuring a big round of layoffs and um, potentially jobs that would be eliminated. So, bear or BASF wanted to take the time to say that was not the case, but time will tell if they do stick to that word or not.
0: Yeah, it's always tough. There's a reason, right? And it's not usually just for measuring performance, right? So, I'm sure there will be more headlines to follow. <clears throat> We have more headlines related to the carbon pipeline project. Illinois farmers are now pushing back. They state that they want a pipeline moratorium and they want eminent domain to be protected and they want that protection on their farms. Policies were approved Monday by member delegates of Illinois Farm Bureau. Their annual meeting, about 330 delegates represented three quarters of the state's farmers. They stated here that they wanted to adopt policies that would put a temporary moratorium on the new carbon pipelines and prohibit the use of eminent domain in order to construct them. The actions taken show that their organization has backed unanimously this philosophy and they want their legislatures to follow suit. The policies approved by those 330 delegates stated that This is the direction their lobbyists will continue to push their state and federal officials so that programs can be put into place to benefit farmers themselves. They do state that they understand ethanol is an important viability or is important to the viability of Illinois farms, but they're looking at helping create other policies to boost the ethanol market in other ways. Their proposal caught rifts, according to other Farm Bureau sanctions throughout of various other states, but those meetings will probably come here in the next 30 days as other state Farm Bureau conventions uh, do take place. So Iowa Farm Bureau supported legislation that would have limited eminent domain projects in 2023. It looks like they will continue to push forward with that. Sought for more safety in protections from where pipelines can go and are now asking for more research to be done before any pipeline permits are approved. So a little bit more update there. More resistance, it looks like, for the carbon pipeline.
2: Well, there's going to be some resistance or continues to be resistance for the sustainable aviation fuel as well. We just saw the first official international flight that flew somewhere from Heathrow out I can't remember if it was to the U.S. or another country. Anyway, it was the first flight that has flown solely on sustainable aviation fuel. Here in the United States, we're waiting to see this week, hopefully, what the Biden Biden administration expects the Treasury to release in their guidance for sustainable aviation fuel and potential subsidies that they would qualify for. That guidance is expected to be released by the end of this week that would determine whether it's easier for sustainable aviation fuel made from corn-based ethanol to qualify for subsidies or harder. We're seeing folks on two sides of the issue here, Tanner, as we think about stakeholders from the corn belts, they're very much for sustainable aviation fuel because it is a way to grow ethanol or the corn industry. On the flip side of that, environmental groups are arguing that Clearing land to grow fuel is counterproductive to curbing global warming. I'm not really sure, Tanner, where they're getting this piece of information from, claiming that we're clearing more land to grow these crops because we really don't have any additional arable farmland here in the United States. But nonetheless, that's the argument that folks on the environmental path are claiming. This guidance was originally supposed to come back in September, but... As I mentioned, it's been a contentious issue. The Biden administration said they wanted to do their due diligence to make sure they're taking the best path forward here for it. But there's potentially billions of dollars of subsidies at stake here. So that could be very helpful for the sustainable aviation industry if they are awarded some potential subsidy dollars.
0: Nice. That could be a nice boost for some of our producers to create another product out of their crop. But we are seeing it might be difficult for them to get that crop to the elevator. We're still seeing a report of a truck driver shortages and it seems like the farm sector is being hit especially hard. The nationwide trucker shortage of 80,000 truck drivers today could top 160,000 by the year 2030 as aging drivers begin to retire. Farmers are the ones feeling the pinch as truck drivers retire, fewer younger people are pursuing the career or even getting their CDL. Now, as farmers look to hire employees, they combat the l- higher wages in competing industries and are now potentially pushing themselves to any out of affordability to hire farm labor that also has their CDL. Indiana's Prairie Farmer was reporting on this topic stated here that this is just a microcosm of a growing problem, a worsening shortage of farm employees, not only truck drivers, but the article is focused just on the trucking industry. As those who are looking for seasonal work numbers begin to dwindle, that's typically the type of labor that farmers themselves hire. This may push farmers into more autonomous efforts for in-field practices, and focusing on hiring their labor to travel up and down the road a commercial driver's license has also become more difficult to obtain than in the past which is making those younger program younger farmers not interested in obtaining that as part of their program some colleges have began implementing new truck driving schools to try and combat what is going on but ultimately delaney finding dependable people who can show up pass a drug test and continue to be reliable is very frustrating to those in Indiana especially those quoted in that article.
2: Well that does sound like a challenge and I know it continues to be a challenge for many in rural America Tanner but another thing that continues to be a challenge is the potential looming threat to some folks of proteinless protein or cultured protein Tanner, the Italian government has made a monumental move that is something that probably American farmers and ranchers wish the US government would do. Italy has officially banned cultivated meat. That's the kind grown in laboratory bioreactors from stem cells or petri dishes, as we've talked about it before. A law enacted last month decided that cultivated food cannot be produced or marketed in the entire country of Italy. As they said, they want to preserve the tradition of Italian food and true Italian food. Many other countries are allowing or even encouraging this technology to be adopted, such as that here in the United States. And currently, Singapore is the only country where people are currently allowed to eat cell-based meat. But the USDA and FDA have approved two kinds of cell-based chicken that could potentially hit the marketplace. But Italy's ban grows out of somewhat different concerns from those we have here in the United States. They're just trying to protect their food traditions. And they said they're farmers. They want to protect their food and their food system to maintain The true Italian culture and relationship between food, land, and human. So they have a little bit different stance than we have here in the United States, but nonetheless, I think they are one of the first countries, Tanner, to put this type of law into effect.
0: It's at least the first one we have reported on. They've got to be uh a top of that list for sure. Absolutely sorry ag leader has released its latest aftermarket auto steer solution for turnpath and its steady steer and steady steer series the steady steer Command c2 assisted steering systems has a software update it is available now to users via a one-time unlock fee in their in-command system ag leader has noted that there are several key benefits to farmers who you know, opt in for this new feature, feature. Their chief, most efficient productivity and sometimes pesky end-of-row turns can now be automated. These end-of-row turns allow farmers to be extremely efficient. The operator can be less experienced as the precision turning technology will allow them to re-enter the field without having to touch their steering wheel. By leveraging Ag Leader's boundary assistance, you no longer have to have precision eyesight when tracing the boundaries of your fields. You can enjoy the steering being automated for you as you trace the boundaries. The turn path will also allow you to follow contours or terraces or other non-straight path roads. Fully autonomous tractor solutions are coming down the pipeline and continues to be a focus of Ag Leader, but as of right now, Ag Leader states that they are focusing on their farmer-centered technologies, and this update is getting the farmer one more step closer to comfortability in the cab and the ability to relax while performing their tasks. It not only helps a grower become a better operator, but it also helps him manage his entire farm from the cab. That's what I've got for headlines today, Delaney.
2: I think I have just one final story here as well, Tanner. As we look at using glyphosate as a tool, researchers are suggesting it's no longer the silver bullet it once was. Researchers from 24 different institutions across North America have looked to compile data points from the years of 1996 to 2021, looking specifically at the effects that the herbicide had. As far as how many data points they may be looking at here, they're looking at 8 million different observations. The land-grant institutions across the U.S. and Canada have been compiling this research to get a better grasp on effective herbicides, including glyphosate, especially in regards to that usage on modified crops. The data shows that over time, glyphosate is becoming less effective as a means of weed control. In the early years of its use, we saw really superior means of weed control. But over the last couple of years, it's certainly started to adapt and become ineffective for potential weed control. Um, Within the last decade, weeds were up about 31% as being less responsive to glyphosate. So sounds like there might be needing to be a new tool developed by some of the chemical companies looking at this type of research, Tanner.
0: Yeah, it could always be advanced. I think there's a lot of frustrations uh, for some of those escapes from our listeners. But where did markets open this morning?
2: Well, Tanner, as we head into morning markets here, still trading the overnights as we record this but March corn is up two and a quarter cent at eight or excuse me at 483, January soybeans down two pennies at 1334. As we take a look at wheat they're certainly not picking up after yesterday's losses but are trying to claw their way slightly higher. Chicago March wheat this morning up two and a half pennies at 612, March hard red winter wheat up four and three4 cents at 637 and March spring wheat up a penny at 721 and a half. As we take a look at the livestock markets, a quick refresher at where they closed and will open here this morning. February live cattle will open at $1.6790, up $2.17 on the board yesterday. January feeder cattle added $2.65 to the board, will open this morning at $2.1795. And February lean hogs shed $1.65 yesterday to open this morning at 67 dollars and a half. Tanner, we're chatting with the CEO of Rantizo this morning to talk about some exciting new updates that the company has seen here over the last uh, little bit. So let's turn it over to that Tech Tuesday conversation. Today's Tech Tuesday conversation is going to be a fun one. I'm joined today by Mariah Scott, the CEO of Rantizo. Mariah, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. So Mariah, curious to learn a little bit more about you and your
1: background. How did you find yourself as the CEO of Rantizo? Oh, indeed. That's a great question. So I have been in drones and robotics for most of the last 10 years, most recently leading uh, Verizon's robotics division, and that was both aerial and ground robotics solutions for warehousing, manufacturing, energy, utilities, uh, construction, pretty much anywhere you might need to inspect or survey or map Uh, data or infrastructure, you know, drones have proven to be a really great tool. And I was leading a group of companies there and uh, really loved what we were doing. I think drones are an amazing tool for helping us see the world in a different way and get better data and keep humans uh, safe from dirty and dull and dangerous jobs. But I really missed uh, the early stage and kind of the growth company world. Uh, I love the startup world. I got into uh, drones and robotics through a startup called Skyward, uh, which I was co-leading. We were one of the first companies to do commercial drone management. And when I uh, learned about the opportunity at Rantizo, I just thought, wow, it's such a perfect uh, combination of where drones have huge potential in a market where uh, there's just a lot of opportunity and what i liked about rantizo in particular in contrast to other drone things you may have heard and i know that drones have been in agriculture for you know some time rantizo is actually solving the problem because we're a network of spray drone operators and i just thought that was so cool right and so valuable that you know drones can be great for showing you you have a problem. They give you imagery or a map that says you have an issue, but they don't necessarily solve it. And what I really loved about Rantizo is we have a service network of operators who can actually bring a spray drone to the field and solve the issue. And and that's a great application that really pulled me in as huge potential. I love that. Your passion
2: for this space is very evident as you are sharing that background with us. So appreciate that and appreciate the passion you bring to the space. You highlighted some of the things that Rantizo does today, but it's been really fun from my perspective to watch the company grow and transition into what you are today. So for those of our listeners that are not familiar with the history and where you're at with Rantizo, give us a little bit of the
1: background there as well sure rantizo started in 2018 uh the founding CEO is Michael Ott a uh, longtime uh, agriculture expert and chemist who actually um uh, you know had the idea of building custom hardware and upgrade kits for existing drones a custom think of it like a spray boom that would go on a drone uh, it's a great idea and he was after the idea that drones can be, more precise, they can be more sustainable, you get you know, uh, great results with using less product, um, easier on the land, and uh, set out to make this custom hardware upgrade kit. And that got some traction initially. We started to get some operators. Um, we also were one of the first companies to seek and to receive approval from the FAA to use drones for uh, application of economic poisons, uh, which is what the what the FAA calls uh, crop protection uh, products. So uh, we got that approval from the FAA, and then we were one of the first companies to be allowed to use drones for uh, application. And uh, that took off for a little while. You know, we got some good growth, got some good traction, a lot of demand for the service. What we saw was that. The Chinese drone companies, uh, DJI primarily, are phenomenal innovators and they innovate really quickly and they build great robots. Uh, I know this from my uh, previous background working in drones. DJI innovated really quickly and in a couple of years, they were delivering drones that uh, were really capable, great spray drones, uh, lots of versatility and, you know, Hard for a custom hardware company to try to compete effectively with that, to just be honest about it. And they build great, reliable spray drones. So uh, I came in as part of a turnaround, our shift in strategy might be a better way to say that, to really focus on the software and the services, and specifically this service network, because we had built up a nationwide network of spray drone operators who we've trained and we support. They're flying to a high-quality operating standard. They're licensed. They're insured. They know how to deliver a great service out to a grower or for an ag retailer. And when we looked at it as a team, we said, hey, there's a lot of value here. This is solving a real problem for growers and, and, and for retailers who have acres that they can't treat. Uh, or they or they need a solution that is more precise. Um, and let's go focus on the service network. Let's go focus on building the software that can automate all that work and make it really easy to find a spray drone operator and really easy to um, grab a job and go deliver that spray job out to a grower. And that's where we're focusing now.
2: It's also really exciting to see that you just announced a recent Series A funding expansion. So talk to us about this milestone and what this is going to do to continue to push Rantizo forward.
1: Yeah, uh, the fu- we're really excited about the uh, funding. Uh, Fulcrum Global Capital will be joining our board, uh, which, which is terrific. Uh, longtime ag tech investor uh, based in Kansas City and uh, they're bringing a lot of really good expertise in understanding uh, that market. They join uh, Innova Memphis and uh, Leaps by Bear, the other uh, two major investors in Rantizo. So we're thrilled to have a board that really represents diverse perspectives, uh, you know, across ag and ag tech. That's very helpful for us. The financing is all about expanding this service network, So helping us expand the services, the support, the training, and the availability of qualified licensed spray drone operators so that we can really bring that service uh, across the country to uh, growers and to retailers who, who want that, who want to have a drone come and treat their acres. Together with expanding that service network is... Um, expanding the development and deployment of the software, the work management software. I talked about connecting demand for acres that need to be sprayed to a supply of qualified and licensed uh, operators. That software that automates that uh, is a big part of the financing as well, uh, continuing to develop and deploy that software. And then, of course, the support foundation that's needed to support the operators and make sure they're trained and they've got all the tools and everything they need to deliver a high quality job.
2: Mariah, I think this is such an exciting space to be in. And I've saved the hardest question probably for last year, but you know, as you think back five or 10 years ago, drones and the the application of using drones for these specific use cases, I think was not on a lot of folks' radar. So where do you see the next five to 10 years going for this drone space?
1: Oh, that's awesome. I love that question. Yeah. Uh, You know, when you think about just a few years ago, uh, the idea of using a drone to spray acres was pretty far-fetched. They just didn't have the capacity or the battery life. So just a few years ago, you know, the idea of using a drone for spraying acres was pretty far-fetched. They, they didn't have the battery life. They didn't have the capacity. You know, maybe you could fly four or five acres in an hour and the economics of that just don't make sense. Um, the economics of it now make a lot of sense. And, you know, we're, we're able to save time, save labor, we can access acres that are difficult to treat with a ground rig. We can fly uh, after it's rained. You don't have to turn off the irrigation. We can deal with awkward acres and waterways and all, you know, all kinds of uses that we're seeing where the drones are um, really delivering a lot of value for our customers. And where I think that goes is, you know, eventually. The drones will be even more autonomous. So today, uh, we pretty much need one pilot to one drone uh, to go, to, you know, to go fly. That's a that's a regulation, and we're working closely with with you know the regulatory authorities, working closely with the FAA, trying to submit the safety data that they would need to think about additional um, use cases allowing one pilot, for example, to control many drones and eventually to control those drones remotely. So what we're seeing in the commercial markets already uh, are some use cases for utilities uh, where someone's in a command center and they're flying drones across multiple, say, nuclear power plants. And they're doing inspections and survey monitoring um, uh, of that that critical infrastructure to make sure it's safe. But there's no person at the power plant doing that. It's a drone that's flying that autonomously. The person's in a command center centrally. I can see that same thing happening uh, with the spray drones in agriculture uh, where we're able to have a central operation that can send out drones to go spray uh, multiple fields without needing a pilot necessarily to be on site. Uh, to make sure that that work is done, we'd be able to monitor all of that remotely and still make sure we had a quality job done. That's a ways off, and of course you have to deal with things like tank size and how you make sure that you have you know everything mixed and you're able to deliver the product correctly uh, because you're you know you're delivering crop protection and that's that's really a kind of a big deal. But when we think about future vision, I think okay that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool if we're able to deploy multiple drones and take care of you know, a lot of fields um, without needing to have the labor and the people to necessarily need to be on site all the time. That could be a great savings. Mariah, final question for you as we wrap up
2: our time together today. If growers are interested in learning more about Rantizo, where is the best place to go to find more information? The best place to go is rantizo.com. Great. Well, Mariah, thank you so much again for joining us today. Certainly appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks.
0: Market Monday followed by Tech Tuesday. I don't know if there's a better combination, Delaney. We hope our listeners think the same. We don't want them to go anywhere. We want them to come back on Wednesday. Maybe we should come up with uh, like a wacky Wednesday. What do you think?
2: I think you're just as wacky as they need, Tanner.
0: (laughs) That's... Great. I don't have anything to come back with. So, listeners for today, Delaney, what do you say? Should we let him go?
2: Let's let him go.